Warning. This episode contains discussions of current events as of early June 2020. Hello, and welcome to Tales from the Trunk. I'm Hilary B. Bisniex. Friends, as I'm recording this, my country is in crisis. Police officers are waging war against protesters for daring to demand accountability. The officer who murdered George Floyd has been charged with second-degree murder, and as-yet-unspecified charges are being brought against the three other officers involved. But systemic racism is still alive and well in our police state. In Philadelphia, peaceful protesters were tear-gassed and shot with rubber bullets in the middle of the day, while armed gangs of white supremacists were able to roam the streets later that same night, breaking curfew and assaulting people. There is still no justice for Breonna Taylor, for Ahmed Arbery, for Sean Reed, for the countless black people murdered by police. And so we march, we donate, we amplify black voices. When I started putting this episode together, George Floyd was still alive. I had no idea what 2020 was about to throw at us next. I thought for a long time about delaying this episode, or simply not releasing it at all. But for all the darkness in the world, we still need art. We need voices of hope. It is Pride Month, where we celebrate who we are and how far we've come, and where we honor and remember those who came before us. Stonewall was a riot against police brutality, started by Marsha P. Johnson, a black trans woman. We would not have pride without queer black activists. This Pride in Place episode was inspired in part by the folks at Buddies in Bad Times Theatre in Toronto, Canada, a space dedicated to the promotion of queer theatrical expression. What follows are some responses from friends of the show to the question, what does queer speculative fiction mean to me? Our first response is from our February guest, KB Wagers. I was 42 before I found myself. Queer non-binary. Sometimes I wonder about those lost years and how it would have been different if I'd had access to what now seems like a wealth of queer speculative fiction, if I'd seen more characters who were like me. There's a power in seeing ourselves on the page and screen, the realization we can be the hero, the love interest, the whole crew, not just one token character who sacrifices themselves at the end for the good of all. And now, I find myself in a world where some beautiful things are blooming amidst the chaos. Where there are more people like me, and unlike me, in wonderful ways, and the stories are being told without reservation or apology. It has given me a great joy to not only be able to read these stories, but write my own. To fill the worlds I create with characters who represent the world as it is, and the future I hope we get to see. KB Wagers is an author of science fiction. You can find their work at kbwagers.com. For political ranting, writing advice, and other assorted things, you can follow them on Twitter at kbwagers. And if you want slightly softer photos of cats, plants, and books, you can follow them on Instagram at midwaybrawler. All That Glitters an essay written for the Queers Destroy Science Fiction Kickstarter in 2015, written and read by Jill Seidenstein. I am a queer, nerdy female. 
I came to science fiction as a young teen, as I was forming my sense of self to have something to talk about with the smart boys. I had no idea about my own sexuality. I often wished I could be a brain with feet, with none of the messy things having a body entailed. From a very young age, I had a sense that I was not like everyone else. It could be due to being an identical twin, or perhaps it was being Jewish in a sea of very vocal Christians. I moved a few times as a child, so was new on the scene. I excelled in school, and this set me apart too. I studied and observed my peers to learn what was acceptable and what wasn't. I mastered the skill of fitting in. Fitting in, which meant cutting parts out that I perceived as being unacceptable. I witnessed the calumny heaped upon people who were different and wished to avoid it, as most people do. I learned to segregate the different facets of myself, only revealing each part to people I thought were safe. I learned to pass. Passing means not being seen for your whole self. It means not expressing your whole self. I thought those parts were unacceptable, and more than that, meant I was broken. I lurked on the fringe, believing that these aspects of myself put me there. It was incredibly painful. I loved reading science fiction, because it showed me worlds of possibility. I didn't like my small town, the small world I moved in, dominated by the cult of football and toxic masculinity. My friends and I were outsiders, smart girls who didn't fit in. I tried in every way to make myself as small and unnoticeable as possible. Escaping into other worlds was a relief from the pressures, real or imagined, in my own. I accompanied Meg and Charles Wallace Murray on their wild adventure with Mrs. Whatsit to save their father. I flew with Lessa on the back of her dragon to fight the thread. My mind bent in delicious ways as I worked to understand Le Guin's agendered people of winter. It wasn't until I got to college that I examined my sexuality. I looked within science fiction to explore this facet of myself, but I don't recall finding anything that connected with my queer identity. I drew the conclusion queerness was a separate universe from the world of sci-fi, despite Le Guin's story. To not see yourself reflected in the larger world is a form of erasure. Nowhere that I looked did I see a representation that contained the entirety of me. There were no mirrors, no reflections, only absence. I almost never found a place where all the different parts of me fit. I could hang with the nerds, but I had to leave my sexuality at the door. Or I could hang with the queers, but they didn't get the nerdy stuff. In the last several years, I moved from reader to writer, partly because I didn't see myself reflected in the stories I like to read. I searched for writing communities for close to two decades, but it wasn't until I found Clarion West that I found one that felt hospitable to queers and writers. Instead of segregating out my various identities, the two could inform each other, and I didn't have to erect barriers or leave behind any part of myself. Last year, I learned about Lightspeed Magazine and the Women Destroy Science Fiction Kickstarter. I got a physical copy of the issue and read it slowly, visiting it from time to time because I couldn't bear for these stories written by women like me to be over, and because I was afraid I would be disappointed. 
Each time I picked it up to read another story, a key turned in a lock I didn't know I'd closed. I wanted to yell yes with every word I read. I wanted to weep with relief as I recognized myself in story after story. I welcomed the destruction of the few limited definitions we have of what it means to be human. I want more, more representation, more diversity, more options. As I've integrated my own identities, I want to see the barriers and walls come down in the wider culture. I want to create bridges and extend hands to invite more people in. Instead of relying on word of mouth or stumbling across stories that resonate with queer identities, I want them to shine as brightly as a sparkling, glittery disco ball. This next response is from a friend of the show who wishes to remain anonymous. She would like this to be prefaced with the following. This essay has been proofread and approved by a real live trans person, TM. All mistakes are my own. However, my boyfriend would like to remind folks, do not out your partner without explicit permission. In which the author discovers fan fiction and realizes that she's hella bi. I'm a cis woman, and I grew up reading voracious amounts of straight cis specfic. I knew I was attracted to men, but I thought that I couldn't be attracted to women because I couldn't imagine having sex with one, ignoring the fact that I couldn't imagine having sex with a man until I read books with more explicit sex scenes. Fast forward a few years and I discovered fanfic, and it was wonderful. It was full of the same spirit of earnest exploration and heroism as other specfic, but often much, much more queer. I've read many amazing queer authors who write stories of their authentic hardships and struggles folded into familiar characters, but they also write shameless fluff fics where it is okay to be queer and exist and love whoever the flip you want. Immersing myself in these stories made me feel seen and safe and secure enough to finally admit to myself that it was okay if I liked women too. Queer fanfic has also helped me be brave enough to date my current boyfriend. When he let me know that he was trans early in our relationship, I didn't even bat an eye. I did frantically reread some author's notes, blog posts, and articles to make sure I didn't stick my foot too far into my mouth, but I already had an intimate view of trans and genderqueer authors writing themselves as main characters, as heroes as worthy and deserving of romantic and platonic love. The previously academic question of would I date a trans guy had been answered a long time ago. Heck yes. Language gives you the tools to imagine whole new realities, to immerse yourself in other cultures and scenarios, real and imagined. It can also give you the context to find your authentic self in the thorny thicket of social expectations. I owe a huge thank you to all the mainstream and fanfic authors out there writing queer specfic. Thank you so much for making people feel comfortable in their own skin. Finally, this is a question that I've been thinking about for a long time, longer even than I've been out to anyone, even myself. I grew up around queer people. The first wedding I ever remember attending was for two women who were members of my Quaker meeting. 
but for all that, I grew up as a boy named Hillary in the 90s, teased constantly for my name, the way I looked, the way I was quick to cry when the upset, long past the age when society thinks that boys are still allowed to show any emotions other than anger. I was queer as in weird, deviant from the norm, long before I had any real notion of sexuality. As a writer, queer fiction is important to me because it was never something I had when I was young. We know how important representation in media is, and for me, that means writing queer characters, writing worlds where queerness is part of the fabric of life. On this show, there's a regular segment where I ask my guests to step into a time machine with me and talk about what they wish they could tell themselves as baby writers. Today's time machine, though, is dedicated to all the baby queers, past, present, and future. While it feels hypocritical for me to say this when I so often don't believe it about myself, you are enough. You are queer enough. And you are not alone. Please join us again in two weeks, on June the 19th, when our guest will be author Megan E. O'Keefe. Tales from the Trunk is mixed and produced in beautiful Oakland, California. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash trunkcast. All proceeds from the show's June patrons will be going directly to organizations that support black protesters. I encourage you to look up your local community bail fund at bit.ly slash local bail funds. A link will also be posted in the show notes. If you would like to support black speculative fiction writers, I would encourage you to subscribe to Faya Literary Magazine and follow them on Twitter at FayaLitMag. That's Faya, F-I-Y-A-H. You can find the show on Twitter at TrunkCast, and I tweet at HBBizNyx. If you like the show, consider taking a moment to rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. And remember, Black Lives Matter. <laughs>